Houses. I am Rob Kowalski, and I am super pumped to introduce you to my next guest. He's been on once before, but this is uh, the amazing Elliot Hulse. How's it going, Elliot? All is well, Rob. Thanks for having me on, bro. I just woke up from a nap. Uh, that's good. We're getting older, so naps are really good. <laughs> but if y'all don't know, who yeah, I've I just been waking up super early. Right. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Get, getting it in. Elliot is a, a renowned strength coach. He's an author. He's an entrepreneur. He's one of the most influential voices in the realm of physical and mental well-being. And through his powerful videos and teachings, he, he's helped millions of people around the world tap into their inner potential, embrace their strength, and lead more fulfilling lives. Thank you for coming on, man. I know your time is valuable. There's a lot of ways you could spend it. I know you're helping a lot of men, and I really appreciate you giving us a little bit of it. Yeah, so, absolutely, man. I love the stuff that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, how are you preparing down there in uh, Florida for all the this uh, all the stuff that's happening in the world with Israel? And you talk you you talk much about end times on your channel. I haven't heard you talk a lot about that. No. I'm not paying attention to it. I'm focused on my own holiness and get my family to heaven. Uh, the works of the world is what we we should accept, right? If we are the body of Christ, then we should follow him into his passion. So I see what's going on through the corner of my eyes. But unlike a former version of Elliot, I don't get wrapped up with it, start getting emotional about it, think about it, talk about it. No. Uh, I let it be. It's all in God's hands. Uh, you know, he is the salvation of our soul. Those are in our lives. So uh, I could pray, but cry. Right. Yeah, I think there's a lot of Christians that do that. They get so focused on heaven that they don't end up taking care of their lives here or their family or just, you know, they're just so focused on making it to heaven and what it's going to be like. And, you know, when they get to the pearly gates and all that, it's like, well, hold up a second. Yeah. You know, let, let's focus on what we have to do here on the earth, too. So I hear you on that. Yeah, that's that's another extreme for sure. <laughs> So, hey, before we dive in here, guys, do me a favor. Drop a comment if you're watching this, whether you're watching it live or you're watching the replay, say hello. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to post them. There. We may be able to get to them. I'm not sure. I'm not going to uh, keep Elliot on here too long. But um, today, really, we're going to dive deep into the mind and experiences of Elliot Hulse. And we're going to try to uncover his valuable lessons and philosophies that have guided him and his students on a uh, path to self-mastery. And along with that, we want to try to understand his process to beat addictions, bad habits, and filthy vices is what he calls them. So uh, before we actually start, I just want to give a shout out to Charm City Countdown. That's the sponsor for this episode, and it's the largest all-inclusive New Year's Eve gala on the East Coast. That's the 15th year that it's being held, and it's at the BWI Airport Hilton here in Baltimore, so you can fly in and stay there at the hotel. It's a big themed event, four and a half hour uh, gourmet dinner buffets, um, drinks, uh, 16 party zones. It's it's like uh, Disneyland for adults. So you can go to charmcitycountdown.com if you're looking for a New Year's Eve party. And um, yeah, it's like a really adult party. Um, good way to ring in 2024. But before we get started, I was going to ask, ask you, Elliot, if you could just say a prayer um, for this episode and this conversation and all of its listeners. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen, absolutely. Direct, O Lord, all of our actions by thy holy inspiration. Carry them all by thy gracious assistance so that every prayer and work of ours will proceed through thee and by thee, find completion in Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. I know our conversation today is supposed to be about uh, habits, but 
I actually had a, a friend, I've got a member of the group, and he's uh, his name is Jeremiah Claypool. He actually was really curious about your journey, um, basically from pagan beliefs and practices to now being a devout Catholic. Like, can you really, you know, briefly touch on that? How did that come about? Uh, well, as is for most people, when you hit rock bottom, you start reaching in the dark. And we're so blessed to have Christ there to reach his hand out as well. And so that had been my experience. Uh, I had been dabbling in all kinds of spirituality because I'm a seeker. I want to know the mind of God. I wanted to have a relationship with God. But it was for me, just like many men in the West, it was anything but Christ, anything but that. So you know, I was into Eastern religions and uh, even looked into Islam. And so it was uh, it was a journey that led ultimately to where most people find themselves, which is self-worship. That's what New Age is usually about, ends up being, you know, my subjective reality, what I want, what I believe. And um, and the whole world revolves around me. And that, as we know, that's a slippery slope to hell. Right. I mean, that's it wasn't that. Satan's first the 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 uh the fall from grace was about pride right so uh definitely wrapped up in pride and as a result made some decisions that led me down a path to uh using drugs I was smoking a lot of weed and uh and I I was sitting in my sauna high as a kite one day and just I don't know what happened. Some people say like the Holy Spirit or I don't know, God spoke to me, but like a heaviness came upon me and I recognized my my sinfulness and that I had been living in a way that was uh, unjust towards our creator and uh, narcissistic and wrong. And in that, the Lord asked me to repent at a time when I didn't even know what that meant, right? But uh, being baptized Catholic, uh, you know, and, and again, I didn't want anything to do with it. I was uh, able to participate in the sacrament of reconciliation, and I took a shot. I'm like, all right, well, let me give this, let me give this thing a shot. What's this all about? This repentance and reconciliation, and uh, it was the weight of the world lifted off my shoulders, and the light of Christ filled my heart. And it's been a journey for sure, but. Uh, well worth it and i can't wait to see you know how this all unfolds how long ago was that did that happen for you because it was only a couple of years ago right yeah like 2019 yeah yeah i was you know, towards the end of 2019 that's that, that's amazing um what it's been like how's it practically impacted your life Oh, well, it's an unfolding, you know, I'm not like one of those people who like, you know, as soon as they were born again or whatever, like, you know, the, the, everything changes for them. That wasn't the case for me. It was uh, an intellectual and uh, emotional journey. And I, I could say that right now in my life, it seems to be picking up the most steam and really just understanding. I think Paul says you come to understand by hearing, right? Like you got to hear the word. And it's just been a, it's been an unfolding as, you know, I continue to deepen myself in scripture and, and understand and read the words of the saints and really try to understand the spiritual path and how ancient it is and how mystical it is, uh, it has really resonated deeper and deeper as, as time has gone on. 
I read, I saw one of your videos and you were talking about <clears throat> how God supernaturally delivered you from that marijuana addiction, right? So that's one, that is one thing that happened to you automatically. No, not automatically. <laughs> I wish I could say that. Yeah. One day it just took it away from me. Yeah. No, I was enlightened to the fact that I was wrong okay. and that I, that this is not something I should be doing. And over the course of time, it's, it's been a battle. It's a, it's a fight, you know, uh, sure. I'm not using it any longer, but it's been five years and uh, that it was like, you know, a struggle every day. Uh, I, like I said, I never had, it wasn't just snap your fingers and now I'm born again for me. It's, it's a process and I'm, and every day I'm wrestling little by little. I love, I mean, I actually love hearing that because I, I don't know if you said that on my podcast, but you basically had said something along the lines and you told God, like, I'm going to smoke as much as long as I want to smoke, I'm going to smoke. In fact, I'm going to smoke. <laughs> yeah. And you said, you're going to have to take the desire away from me. So hearing you say that makes me feel a lot better because I know for, and for me, yeah. sanctification has been a process. It's been like you said, <laughs> wrestling, like denying myself, not necessarily fun. Like, you know, the Bible says no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who are trained by it. So not, it's never never going to feel pleasant in the moment. It's going to suck. And right. later it's going to be. Yeah. So it's it, it's actually really refreshing to hear you say that because there's a guy that went to my old church and he got delivered in a moment from all this stuff. Yeah. Gambling, sex, you know, he never even cussed again. And he's not like pastor. And I'm thinking, what the heck's wrong? Yeah, you know, I think that there's grace in both of those. I think there's grace in, in both because had God delivered me quickly, I would have never understood the struggle. And I think a part of, I know you're a coach, I'm a coach. A part of what we do is to help people through struggle. We help people overcome their vices or their addictions or their gluttony or, you know, losing weight, whatever it is. And I've always had things easy. You know, I came from a great family. I, I was born genetically gifted and strong. I have great charisma. Never really had to fight for anything. And I think what what this process for me has been is like God was like, all right, hey, I'm going to give you something to fight with now. I didn't know I was in a fight until he showed me, hey, you need to fight this thing. And then I had to gear up and, and really had to learn how to do spiritual battle. But then puts me in a place as a coach to show others how to do the same. Otherwise, I couldn't relate, you know? Yeah. How do you define negative vices and why are they significant obstacles uh, to personal growth and well-being? Would you say? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so the word vice is just like you would imagine with a vice grip. Like, what is a vice grip? It holds on to something. It's something that has an attachment to you and you have an attachment to it. Father Ripperger says that you have uh, there. There are certain demons that you have an affinity or have an affinity towards you, and so based on your particular character structure, uh, there there are certain there are certain vices that are designed just for you. Like, hey, you need this one, and for what we talk about, right? Because of a sanctification process, if there was no, if if, if I'm a boxer. And I don't have a good sparring partner. Well, I'm never going to become a great boxer. I got to have a good sparring partner. So, you know, these vices that attack us, whether it's, you know, lust or gluttony or or any of them, you know, um, they're designed for you. And it's it's meant for you to, 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 to battle with that sparring partner so that you can grow stronger. So when you asked me... Um, what was the question? So I was defining vice. Yeah, how they, how they uh, affect your mental health and overall quality of life. Or just your well-being for that matter. Oh, 
Yeah. Personal. Well, personal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, that it's it's the. Uh, uh, here's another example of what they are, and I'm just trying to give perspective because a lot of times we we whine and complain, or we like beat ourselves up, and once again, like if there was a dad whose son was struggling with a bully at school and the vice is the bully, I'm using this as an example. And you know, the, the kid comes home like to kids do today. And then they whine and they cry to their mama. And then their mama is going to maybe go and talk to the teacher or whatever, you know, go and like you know, your mommy and daddy are going to take care of it. The kid never learns anything. What a good father does is turns that kid around and says, okay, good. You're having a problem with this kid. Now you're going to face him. And so he'll take him down there and, you know, let him let him duke it out with the kid, take him home, show him something else. OK, hey, next time when when he throws this punch at you, you got to bob and weave. Right. Next time that he does that, you grab him this way and you throw him down on the ground and he practices with you that it, I'm, I'm putting a perspective on this so that, like, you realize that if you're struggling with pornography or or lust or alcohol or or, or weed or anything like this, that it's. It is a gift. It's a grace from God because it allows, it's a part of your sanctification process, part of your strengthening process. Um, you know, you asked the question and, it, you know, I, I decided to to go that route with it. But yeah, I mean, that's just, I guess that's what, I, that's the point that I wanted to make there, I guess, is that it's, you don't need to beat yourself up. You need to see it as something that's helping you grow stronger. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I had asked about how it can affect your personal growth. I think there's obvious ways you could just get lazy, start sleeping. I see a lot of potheads, you know, they don't. Oh. But how, because there's some things yeah. too, and I see people justify certain vices because they think it makes them better. You know, they're like, well, I, I, I can think better. Yeah. Or I'm, you know, people like the, some of the great writers were alcoholics, I think. Um, what would you say to that? Like, how do you know? If it's a Nate, is there any vices that are positive? I guess, or are they pretty much all, anything? Well, that <laughs> then it wouldn't be a vice, <laughs> right? Because that means you have, because that would mean that you have mastery over it, right? Yeah. If something, anything, and anything can be a vice. I mean, if you if you don't have mastery over your relationships with people, your relationship with food, mm -hmm. uh, your relationship with your your own thoughts and emotions, you're going to be out of balance. And so I remember now what I wanted to point to was the, the word sin, right? What is vice? Well, in a way, it's it's sin. And I've been, you know, wrestling with sin, of course, my entire life, but really trying to, to define sin in my life these days. And what I'm coming to understand is, is sin is a misalignment, right? Like if, if, if we're to have the mind of Christ, right? And Christ is our head, right? Just imagine my head and my body are, are off kilter. I'm not aligned with my head. I'm not aligned with the Christ, mm. with, my, with Christ in me, right? Mm. Christ is in us. So that sin, it, in terms of vices, you know it's sin because it takes you off the path of your, of, of your perfect self or that which Christ would reflect in you, right? And so that means that everything that you do is out of balance. Everything that you think is out of balance. Every action that you take is proceeding from a, a sentiment of disjointedness. And that scares me, right? Like there's, of course, you know, I, I, I don't want to go to hell, <laughs> right? I mean, the, we, the afterlife is a real thing, right? I don't want to die in a state of mortal sin, but also I don't want to live this life disjointed. I don't want to live this life in sin. I don't want to live this life less than, than Christ's reflection, right? Being 
being like Christ. And so if Christ is sinless, that means he's totally lined up with the Father. You're called to that. You're called to that. And if we do any, if we're anything less than that, we're kind of a waste of a life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of vices too are going to be things that alter your your mind, right? That, that's at least where I go, you know, and you mentioned alcohol mm -hmm. and some drugs. And I think that that, I feel like it would block the, the God's voice. You wouldn't be able to hear as well if you're numbing yourself in that way. And now I've heard some people go, no. you'd like take... Yeah, how far do you go with it though? Because I, I wonder like if you can be legalistic with it. Like for example, I've heard Andrew Tate say, I don't even take ibuprofen. If God gives me a headache, that means I need a headache that day. I'm like, <laughs> ah, I don't know. That seems like legalism to me. I mean, he's not even a believer. He's, but how far do you take it? I mean, I guess if it's impacting your life in a negative way or what would you say? Well, I think some... that's why. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So, you know, before you were talking about you know, people who say that, oh, you know, maybe it's good for me. You know, Paul reminds us in Romans that when we sin, our is darkened and then God gives us over to our sin. So that's when a lot of times we think that like, oh, this is not so bad and it's actually helping me. It's like, no, you you think that because your intellect is darkened. You're not, not seeing things right. And as human beings and fallen creatures, it's not easy to be able to see through the light of Christ, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's not an easy thing, but that's why God gives us revelation and does give us law. Being legalistic and knowing and abiding by the law are two different things. The law is based, all of the law is based off natural law, right? There's natural law and the divine positive law. God's not asking you to do anything that's outside the bound of your natural law. Like he's telling you like, hey, this is the instruction man annual for being a great human being, right? Like if you're going to get the most out of this thing and you're going to be a vessel for me, avoid this stuff, right? Don't do these things because it's going to throw you off base and you're not going to be a vessel for me. And then, you know, you're made for the fire, right? Some wood's made for the fire. So that's why we don't have to always know. We can go to revelation. We can go to scripture, right? And that will let us know, hey, oh, okay, apparently... These things are not a good idea. Now, it feels good, and I think it's a good idea, and everybody else is doing it, but the instruction manual says, hey, buddy, that's, you're not made for that. You're made for something greater than that. And, th and then that just requires us to be humble enough to yield to that. Okay, well, you know, I might not understand why God is telling me not to do this and why scripture says that or tradition says this, but I'm going to trust it. Yeah. It reminds me of the verse that says something along the lines of like, live worthy, live worthy of the calling that you've received, basically. Like, yeah. we're sons, you know, sons of God, we should live up to that. Right. So you had mentioned, I watched your, your War on Vice uh, 19 video series, which I recommend anybody out there go check it out. And I love that you're, you mentioned the feeling of, I deserve it. Like, that was kind of how it started mm. for you kind of I deserve it because you, you, know, you have family, you're working hard. And mm -hmm. so like talk, talk about, I could totally relate to that. Talk about that and some other common root causes or triggers that lead individuals to develop negative vices. Well, the root cause of that attitude is what St. Thomas Aquinas would refer to as morbitia, which is softness. And it translates into effeminacy. 
And so, you know, Father Ripperger says that, like, there's not a man today that doesn't suffer from or doesn't display some form of effeminacy. And it's defined by Aquinas as the aversion to challenge and a disordered attachment to pleasure. And so anytime you have a, an aversion to suffering, oh, you know, I, it, it's difficult to live, uh, you know, day to day without getting high. Or, you know, yeah, life is tough. But what's the aversion? That's a form of a, of a feminacy. Suffer with our Lord. You could unite your suffering to Christ. He came away. You can't handle a day. He was nailed to the cross. So there's avoiding struggle, pain, challenge, right? Which is inherent in our, that it's hardwired into our nature. I mean, you just, it, from the fall, you know, it's a part of uh, the curse of Adam, Adam, right? Like Adam was doing the right thing until he listened to his wife. And because of the pleasure of the look and the fruit and that it seemed good for eating, he decided to follow his wife and, you know, do what she wanted to do. And so that was a form of his effeminacy, right? Rather than following reason, following the father, doing what's right, he fell into the disorder of seeking pleasure and not wife. He was the first simp. He should have told his wife no. But you know how like guys are today and like, you know, like the, the women rule the roost. Well, that's that's an old story. That's that's Adam and Eve. Instead of Adam saying, no, wife, that's the wrong thing to do. You listen to me and do it the right way. <laughs> he said, OK, wife, I'm going to do whatever you want. And you see where it led him. And, and yeah. so that's hard. That effeminacy is hardwired into us as far as the relationship with women is concerned. It's basically dereliction of our duty to be the head, to be the leader in the relationship. And for the woman, it's usurpation. And so I know we're talking mostly about, about men right now, but it's the usurpation of that power that the woman wants that's hardwired into her because of Eve. And then for men, it's dereliction of duty. It's it's not wanting to, to, to argue or to struggle or to do the right thing, even yeah. though it's tough. And the attachment to pleasure right there's we get anything we get about this is why like you know a lot of people are talking about dopamine these days right like everything is is it boils down to biology at some point too so we love to get that hit we love to get that feeling we love to get that that feeling of power that sense of power pleasure honor you know all these things these these, these they have a grip on it and we get a good feeling from it and we don't want to stop and so we become like little babies seeking after our babas for all these things Dude, I love it, man. It's like that aversion to pleasure. It reminds me of something that Justin Peter Justin Peterson said about, you know, be an animal but control it. Where he talks about restrained powers and greatest power. We're having the ability to do something and then not acting on it. Like think about Christ when they pulled the, his hair out of his beard. Like, I mean, what power that took to not get up and just lose it on him, knowing that you could have just spoke. They just smited them all with, with your words, and he didn't do it. Like that's real power. So like an argument could be made because a lot of people look at Islam now and they've, they've held to their tenets and probably a lot better than Christians have in a lot of ways overall. So I think people see that and they're, they're inspired by it. Maybe that they actually have standards, but that actually, or well, and I won't say Muslims because it is or Islam in general. But if I look at someone like Andrew Tate, for example, and some of his guys, they are having a version of pleasure, right? Cause they're out, smashing all these different women and they're encouraging other people to spin plates and do all this stuff right saying that it's strong when really it's actually feminine 
because it, it'd be better to have the ability to go out and do it and not do it because, you know, for morality purposes or whatever, just to be obedient to God. Like that's real masculinity. Yeah. Or self mastery. Yeah. Right. I mean, just because you can, I can eat all the donuts. I mean, he won't take aspirin. Right. But like you won't say no to a, to a set of legs that spread open for you. Right. Just cause I can eat all the donuts that I want. Doesn't mean I should. Right. <laughs> right. There's a level of self mastery that we get to exercise in order to build virtue. And if we're going to be the best, our strongest version of us or our holiest version of ourselves, you got to build that virtue and virtue is only built in self-denial. It's mm, good. So how can one become more aware of the vices, negative vices and acknowledge them, their presence in their life? Would you say like, cause maybe they're, they're having some questions now about some behaviors. Is there, you know, well, well, the first thing you want to ask yourself is, can I do without this? Right. And there's a lot of people. And I know weed is the one that like, they, I don't know why potheads believe this, but they're like, oh, it's not addictive. I don't need to have this. I could stop anytime I want. But you tell them to stop and they don't. <laughs> OK, then why don't you stop? Well, because it's not. And then they'll tell you, oh, because it's natural. Oh, because, you know, it's it's good for you. OK, but like, do you have mastery over it? Or is it controlling you? And if there's anything that you cannot do without, it's a vice. This is a tough one too, especially in our, you know, where in our world where sex is is uh, is a play thing, and even in marriages, the, you know, most most of us are contracepting in our marriages. Do you know what life is like without having sex with your wife? Like your sex with your wife could be a vice too, right? Like Paul says that of course you owe each other each other's bodies, but for a time of prayer and fasting, you should be able to separate from one another. Can you, can you, can you not have sex with your wife for 30, 60, 90 days or do you, or must you, you have to, right? It's the same thing with, you know, certain foods or certain uh, forms of entertainment. Like, yo, could you leave your cell phone at home for a day, for two days? Can you leave your cell phone plugged in, in the wall and not walk around with it? Uh, I can't do it. You know, like somebody loses their phone, like they freak out. It's like they lost a limb. Right. Right. So these are all things that what they have a they have a hold on us. And so we get to if you want to overcome this, you got to mortify yourself against it. it means die to these things that have a hold on you. And the only way you know this is by testing. You don't know yourself, but by testing. Right. So things like fasting, right? And so fasting from food. Food, man, I tell you, like, that's probably the number one addiction in our culture, in our world. And it's never been such a case that we have access to so much food and so much junk food all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365. There's always, prior to this affluence, and even, you know, during stages of the agricultural age, where there was famine, where there's just not, there's plenty. And then there's not much, but, and so can you go a day without eating? That will tell you right now that all the demons come to the surface. A so part of my program, when the guys first come in is we do a 72 hour fast. And I tell the guys, listen, during this first 72 hours, all the demons are going to surface. You're going to have emotional, mental, physical pains. They're all going to come to the surface. You're not dying. You're not going to starve to death. <laughs> I went 21 full days without eating. You're not going to die. You're not going to starve to death. 
but what you're going to do is confront your deepest, darkest forms of effeminacy, right? You're going to be grumpy and hangry and have a bad attitude. All those things were latent in you, but it wasn't until you got rid of the numbing agent, which is a constant consumption, that you had to confront it. So these are different ways. You got to mortify yourself. You got to fly. You got to fast from time to time. This is why the throughout Christendom, the two thousand year old faith of Western that built Western civilization, always practiced the Lenten season and the Advent season was a season were seasons of mortification of self denial. Mm -hmm. We don't do that. Muslims, you mentioned Muslims, they they fast every year Ramadan. They make sure. What happened to Lent in, in the West? Why don't Christians even recognize Lent anymore? We're all giddy about Easter and, and God rising, you know, Christ rising. But it's like, yo, you didn't even follow him to his death. You didn't even follow him on the cross. You just like pin away the minute like there was a season of, of challenge. Okay, well, hey, mortify yourself for, for these 40 days, right? I mean, and the austerities are very minimal, right? In the old church, they would literally, they would fast the whole time through. It would be like one meal a day at 3 p.m. That was it, because at 3 p.m. was when Christ died. And so it was like, okay, then you could eat at that time. 40 days, eat one meal at 3 p.m. That's called black fasting. That's what the Middle Ages, you know, the, the, the church of the Middle Ages did. Today, well, I'm going to give up chocolate. What are you, a puss? <laughs> Nobody does it. Yeah. You know what's funny? I went to Romania for a book tour twice in 2019, and they're very orthodox over there, like very religious. I, we stayed in monasteries for about a month, and um, they only ate. I forget, I don't remember why, if, what season it was, but they were they were only eating fruits and vegetables. That was all you ate. Yeah. Um, and so that was all we ate. And but what's amazing is when you fast for an length of time. I'm sure you know. Not only do you get stronger, but man, you appreciate the things so much more later. Like when you get it back, you get so much more out of them than you did if you never denied yourself of them in the first place. Don't you find that? That's right. That's oh, absolutely. Yeah. Food, your senses are heightened because you're not numbed by having it all the time. And it's like yeah. that with anything. They say absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, dude, this has been great. I'm not going to keep you on here too long for this first part guys we're going to do a second part with la he's going to actually give a tool for this uh private group we have called the alpha blueprint um for any men that are watching the podcast go out and join the facebook group it's called the unplugged christian alphas you can go to unpluggedchristian.com it's a free facebook group we're just helping men level up and really just become the god the men god intended us to be and and hopefully uh land a high value christian value a high value christian woman if you're a single man that's a lot of the guys in there are single, so that's kind of our focus. But uh, Elliot, Amen. go ahead and tell everybody on you and what you have out there. I know you got a lot of different. Uh, I was on your website the other day, and I've seen all the different programs that you have. I'm sure there's guys out there that would love to know more about you. Yeah, so uh, if you go to ElliotHost.com, I'm, I'm working on right now. But uh, one of the things that you will find is if you click that top button, it'll take you to a a page where you can opt in and you can see my six part video series for free that walks you through the path of masculine initiation that I teach the men in my program. And so this path of initiation, which is, is cultural and ever present. And we've been doing it up until probably the, to the, the industrial revolution in the 20th century, men had always had an 
opportunity to beat out or root out a feminacy in our lives and to, and to atone with the father. In fact, there's always two steps. There's a separation from the world of the mother and an atonement with the world of the father. And so this is what I teach men in that program. And we do it through the, through the three steps of the path to holiness that has been used by the ancient church. You know, the desert fathers used it right up until, you know, some of the saints of the church, like, uh, like, um, St. John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila and uh, St. Augustine speaks about it. Purification, illumination, and unification. So we follow three steps three steps to get you from, you know, being addicted mama's boy to being fully atoned with the father and adopting, taking on the mind of Christ. Now, do you have to be Catholic or Christian to do it? I call out Christian men. And so uh, there are men that aren't Christian, but I call them out because I want to know them page. A lot of the guys that come in that aren't Christian are open. They want to know. They haven't heard Christianity spoken from a strong masculine perspective like I do before. And so they're curious and they're open. They're like, wow, man, most of the Christians I meet, you know, they're, they're pansies, you know, the men in their churches and stuff like that. And so, you know, I, I, I take it from a heart. I take it from that masculine initiation standpoint. But it's always about atonement with the Father. Where are we going? Atonement with the Father. How do you atone with the Father? Through Christ. And there's only there's no other way. Yeah. And I think when you don't know your identity in Christ, that's when the bad things start happening. You know, like all this gender dysphoria, like people just don't know their identity as a son or daughter. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, well, we're going to go ahead and stop this live. Elliot and I are going to have a, a quick conversation in the private community. So thanks for tuning in. Make sure to go check out Elliot at ElliotHalls.com. I'll put his link in the description and uh, drop a couple thumbs up or hearts for him. Let him know your biggest takeaway in the comments too. I'm sure he'd appreciate it. And uh, thanks again, man, for coming back uh, twice. It's like the first time I got you, I was like, oh my God, I got Elliot Halls. I was so excited. And now two times. Mm -hmm. uh, I really appreciate you. Thank you. You got it, man. Thank you.